Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. All right, good to see y'all today. Let's stand together and let's sing this first verse. church always a, a wonderful thing when we're able to baptize but it is a, certainly a joy and a wonder to be able to, to baptize your own children the Lord has blessed us with that this morning I just want to read something real quick from Romans 6 it says this what then what shall we say then are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase may it never be how shall we who died to sin still live in it or do you not know that all of us who were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father so we may too walk in newness of life let's pray father we love you so much and thank you for this time this morning to be able to, to baptize father to welcome into the family of, of God and God just to be able to, to baptize my own children father I'm thankful for that that moment that we're about to have here father I pray that you'll be with these two that you'll hold them that they will be wise and that they'll, they'll grow in your love and your grace and mercy and father that they will continue to to live as though they have been changed and that they are living in newness of life father throughout their whole life i pray for strength and wisdom and godly living and character over them father we love you we praise you it's in the name of jesus we pray amen and maddie do you believe that jesus is god's son yes do you believe that jesus lived a, a perfect life was nailed to a cross and died for your sins and raised again yeah. do you believe that the Holy Spirit is living in you now yeah. amen in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit I baptize you my sister buried with Christ raised to the newness of life amen, amen. Up. nope amen. go up And we have Britain.
And some of y'all may remember that just a few years ago, we, we baptized Britain. And uh, as we, we think about that, and it's easy to be embarrassed or, or be prideful about having to do it again. But we need, to, we need to make sure that we do those things on the, on the right side of salvation. And I just want to encourage you this morning that if there, if there is doubt in your life, if there's no evidence of salvation in your life, but you've been baptized, man, let your pride go. Today is the day the Lord says of salvation. So be saved. Be saved today. And then we'll fill her back up, and we'll baptize again. Amen? So, Britton, do you believe that Jesus is God's son? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus lived a perfect life, was nailed to a cross where he died, and then raised again? Yes. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit's now living in you? Yes. Okay. Britton, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ, raised to newness of life. Amen. Amen. Well, amen. What an awesome morning to be able to start off with baptism. And so just to echo what Taylor said, it's always great um, to have these professions of faith because that's all baptism is. There's nothing magical about the water. Um, you go in and you get wet and you come back out. But it's this public profession that the world sees. I identify myself with Christ. And so um, just real quick, if, if you're part of the Welburn family, would you just kind of stand up real quick just so we can recognize you and thank you for being here to witness this. And so. So thank you for being here. And we're going to have an opportunity at the end of worship today for you to come by and let Maddie and Britton know how excited you are for them as they make this step um, in public profession of faith and following after Jesus. And so real quick, just want to encourage you with a couple of things. You can see a couple of things coming up, a few big things. Um, next Sunday evening is our fall festival. And so if you're interested in serving, volunteering, having a booth at the Fall Festival, see Mike, talk to him. Um, he'd love to get you plugged in there as a place to serve. And then we also have cards available. If you want to take some cards, invite some friends, family, co-workers to come be a part of that Sunday evening, um, invite them out. We have plenty of candy and treats and games and all kinds of activities. Um, so take, take some cards with you, invite some friends and co-workers. Um, just come be a part of the night as we want to serve our community community in that. And then you can see a few other things we're going to talk about Wednesday night at the end of worship today. We're excited. We're kick off this week with our new um, equipped classes. And so we'll be sharing a little bit more at the end of worship today. Um, thank you for praying. I missed the banjo in person, um, but, but it sounded good. It took me back to my Appalachian roots in Dawson County, listening to the banjo music. Um, but then I appreciate Clint preaching last week, phenomenal message. Give as we don't seek to build the kingdom of airline, but we seek to build his kingdom. And so let's pray together. Father God, we come to you and we thank you and we give you praise for today. God, we pray for this offering. 
Would you take it and would you use it for your glory and your honor? God, not for us, not for our name to be known, but for your name to be known and your gospel declared. God, we love you. We praise you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand as we worship.
season. Let's go. 
we praise you this morning. God, we lift you up. There's so much to be thankful for and so many needs to bring before you today, God. So we just claim your goodness, claim your power, and God, your strength. Most of all, your love toward us, God. Just lay all of our burdens, all of our cares at the foot of the cross to you this morning, God, answering that you meet every need. Be with our pastor as he brings the word today. Bless those who are here. And God, we just look forward to what you're going to do in this place for your honor, for your glory. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. to be back. Uh, we, we had a great time in New York, as I mentioned. Um, life is different up there in that quaint little city. Um, very slow-paced, easygoing. Um, it's kind of like being in Gillsville. So, but no, we had a great time. I appreciate everybody that stepped up for us last week. Um, and so James chapter 4, James chapter 4. I'll be honest, this has been a, a difficult text to prepare for. Um, and you kind of heard Clint talk a little bit about this last week. But in James chapter 4, it kind of seemed like I could not get past verse 1. Now, we're going to go through verse 6 today, but it was difficult because it's not a difficult text to interpret, but there were things in my own life that as I was trying to prepare to preach, it was like God was like, that's you, that you need to deal with this and answer for this. And so I'm excited to bring this text to you today and pray that God uses it. So let's look at verses 1 through 6, and then we'll pray and we'll notice a few things. So starting at verse 1, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire, do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you again for today. And just the privilege we have to corporately worship you. And so God, we pray that we would not take this 
opportunity and privilege for granted. And so God, help us to continue to worship as we break open your word and see what you have to say to us today. Would you speak, God? And God will give you all the praise, honor, and glory. And we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. So really the central idea that, that, that James is wrestling with is this concept of desire. Now when we were in New York last week, there were a few things that we knew we needed to do. And a few desires that we had. We're quite familiar with the concept of desire. We knew first and foremost that we had to have pizza. So one night in New York, we ordered Domino's. No, I'm just kidding, we didn't do that. We ordered authentic New York style pizza and even better, we had it delivered to the hotel. And it was delicious. Best pizza I've ever had in my life and it was delivered straight to the hotel. We didn't even have to go out, take the subway. They brought the pizza to us. Why? Because we had the desire for pizza, which I would say is a good and healthy and God-honoring desire. God was well glorified in our partaking of New York-style pizza. And so we're familiar, we have desires for things. Now some of those desires can be God-honoring and God-glorifying. But then we also have those desires that are not God-honoring and God-glorifying. We have those desires that we have that's just part of our natural fallen self. That we have those things that can pull us to them. Those things that we want to partake of, but we know that we can't or shouldn't partake of. So that's fundamentally what James is wrestling with. And as you remember where Clint left off last week, that there's this wisdom that comes from above, but there, there's this wisdom that's here below. Like there is this wisdom that makes sense to us in our world, in our culture. And that wisdom that makes sense to us is if I desire this, then surely it must be good. Like if I desire this, then surely it must be right. But then we have a wisdom from above that says just because you desire that does not mean that you should partake in it. Why? Because we do have a fallen sinful flesh. There is still part of us, even though we are, have been saved and redeemed and purchased to Christ, there is still part of us that longs and desires for those other things. And so James is wrestling with this. Desire. James asked the question, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? James is not asking if there are quarrels and fights in the church. He's saying what 
causes them. He's well aware that in the church there are issues, there are quarrels, there are fights between church members. And so he says, what causes those fights? He says, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? James doesn't sugarcoat it. He says, what's causing the issues? What's causing the fights? What's causing the quarrels? You have these passions. You have these desires. And how does he describe it? He describes it as being at war. He's like, it's a bloodbath. They are at war. It's not just this slight sensation and slight pull. He describes it as all-out warfare within them. This is not light or easy language. He says, are they not at war within you? Like, we, we notice this, right? We see this even in everyday relationships. Like, just husband and wife. Like, I know, like, I have this desire that I want to love Whitney, like Ephesians 5 tells me to love Whitney. I want to love her sacrificially. I want to love her and lead her as Christ loves and leads the church. That's how I'm commanded from Ephesians 5. Like I have that desire. But Clint, I also have the desire, I want to make things about me. And so what causes conflict when those passions are at war with one another? That just, like, I, I feel the weight of that old hymn that I like talking about you usually, but occasionally I want to talk about me. Some of you will get that later on the ride home. Like, that, that desire. Like, I, I know what I'm called to do. I know what the Scripture commands me. But there are times where I don't want to come home after a long day and sacrificially serve. I want to come home after a long day and be sacrificially served. And conflict arises. Why? Because my passions are at war within me. The relationship between children and parents. Like you understand what you are called to do. That children are called to be obedient to their parents as their parents pursue the Lord. But everybody knows in those children there are passions that are at war. We see that. What about in the workplace? What causes conflict? Like tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up and you're going to say, I want to live this day for God's glory and for his honor. I want to pursue work and do things with excellence so that I can glorify God. And you're going to show up to the job tomorrow. And Jill's going to be there. And she's going to remind you about the memo, about the TPS report. And you're going to say, I'm tired of hearing about the memo. And all of a sudden that 
desire to do things in a God-glorifying and God-honoring way is out the window. Why? Because your passions are at war. That you want to live this way. You desire to do things in a God-honoring, God-glorifying way. And, but also you have this desire that you want to climb the corporate ladder. You want to keep up with the Joneses. You want to do all of those things. And on this side, you have this desire over here to do things in God-glorifying way. But then you have this desire that you want to climb the corporate ladder. And it does not matter how many bodies you leave behind along the way. And conflict arises. What about even in the life of the church? Like that's the context James is talking about. How many conflicts have come about in the life of a body of believers because passions were at war? That this person wants to be number one. So there's a power struggle that's there. We recognize we're called to make disciples. We know that this is our ultimate goal, and we desire this. But also we want to have this desire over here where this person or this group has all the power in the church. And if you come up against that power, they're at war. Maybe it's not even just power. Maybe it's just preferences. Like, I I think this is how church should be ran. Can I I touch on dangerous territory? I think this is how music should be done. And so I have these preferences, and they are at war. James uses the war language because he's trying to make a point. That it's not a soft and easy fight, but these passions are at war. This is not down, drag out warfare with our passions. I would say we would would all say we understand why we exist. We exist to make disciples. That's why we exist as a church. But then over here, we have these passions, we have these desires, we have these preferences. And if we're not careful, those things can trump this thing. And conflict arises. So James tells us the conflict of desire, the conflict of those passions. And so then we see the outcome of desire in verse 2. <coughs> he says, you desire and do not have. So you have this desire for something and you don't have it. So what happens? So you murder. Just think about that for a second. Like within the church that James is talking to, people are killing one another. Could be literally, could be metaphorically. Why? Because we have to understand that an unchecked desire, 
is eventually going to make its way out into action. That if you dwell on that disordered desire long enough, if you let it sit there long enough, you're going to act on it. And James is saying, you desire, you have these passions that you desire and you don't have it. You haven't gotten it yet. So what do you do? You act on it to the point of murder. He says, you covet and cannot obtain. So you're looking at what so-and-so has and you desire what so-and-so has, but you realize you cannot have what so-and-so has. So he says, so you fight and quarrel. It makes its way out. Those disordered desires will make its way out if they remain disordered desires. But notice what he says, you do not have because you do not ask. <coughs> you see, here's the ultimate problem with disordered desires is that we are seeking to be filled from the wrong source. So instead of going to God, instead of lifting these things up to God in prayer, we try to handle it ourselves. So instead of laying these things down at the foot of God, let me get my hands on it. Let me try to address this matter myself. So he says, you, you don't have because you don't ask. So we see the conflict and the outcome, but then we see third, the realization of desire. He says, you ask and do not receive. So there are some that just aren't even asking God. So they're not even approaching prayer. But then we have some who are approaching prayer but aren't receiving. Why? Because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You see that word again. So over here, there are these people who are doing all of these things that they are desiring and they're not getting, so they're acting on it. But then you have this group over here that they are desiring and they're asking God, but they're not receiving. Why? Because they're asking God so that God would bless them and give it to them. Why? For something God glorifying and God honoring? No, so that they could then in turn spend it on their own passions that I have this disordered desire. And so God, would you bless me so that then I could then in turn use this on this desire. <coughs> That's fundamentally what James is saying. That you're asking God and you're not receiving. Why? Because your desires are wrong. This is that realization that comes in. Verse 4, you adulterous 
people. Again, James is using rather strong language. He calls the church adulteresses. And he's drawing off of language that's used all throughout the Old Testament when Israel was in covenant relationship with God and they continually sought after other gods and they continued to walk according to their own way, God would call them adulterous. Why? Because they were turning from the covenant that they had made with God to pursue other gods. So he calls them adulteresses. And he gives the reason why. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? He goes, I want you to understand. You need to know this, that friendship with the world, it's not a neutral position. It's not a kind of middle of the road that when it comes to this, you cannot ride the fence. That to be friends with the world is enmity with God. Enmity is I'm on the opposite team. That in a few weeks or whenever, <coughs> when Georgia and Georgia Tech play football, you're on one side or the other. Like there's no swapping jerseys at halftime. You're either on that sideline or you are on that sideline. There's no middle of the road. So James is saying, friendship with the world, being close to the world and the wisdom of those desires is on the opposite side of God. He says, therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Not only are you not on the same team, but you are actually on the team that is opposed to God. Like this isn't just a neutral thing James is dealing with. This is not riding the fence. If you wish for this, You're not in the middle, you're on the opposite side. Then verse 5, or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? <coughs> verse 5 is a rather difficult text to translate. Uh, if you've got multiple translations, you're probably seeing multiple different ways that this is translated from the text that's in front of you. Most because the Greek is notoriously difficult. 
and many commentaries struggle with what the Greek text is saying here. I tend to agree with the way that the ESV has this translated. So he says this, that he yearns jealously over the Spirit. What Spirit is he talking about? I don't believe he's referring to the Holy Spirit here, but he is referring to the Spirit of life that he has given mankind. So it is God who yearns jealously over that, that God has gifted you life. And he's not passive or neutral about it. God has not gifted you life so that you could then take that and do with it whatever you desire to do with it. He yearns jealously over that. He's gifted you life. And that very life comes from him. So he says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. And James here is not quoting a particular scripture, but he's, he's giving the broad sense of what scripture says. And we see this all throughout the Old Testament, that God is jealous over his people. But hear me, God loves you too much to let you go chase those things that will bring death and destruction in your life. Like we're in this phase right now with the toddlers where it just seems like they are bent on finding something that will hurt them. And so like, you know, with babies, it's easy. Like put them in the bassinet, they're good. All of a sudden, toddlers, they're trying to find ways to climb onto the counter, get a hold of the knives, open up the hot stove. And so, like, there's no relaxing in the Johnson house anymore. If things are quiet, there's a bad reason things are quiet. But what kind of parents would we be if we just said, yeah, let them go play with the knives? Yeah, let, let Sophia climb on the stove and feel how hot that is. But yet, do we really think God is passive when it comes to us? That when we start playing with the hot stove as a child of God, do you really think God's going to go, let him play with it? Or do you think God is jealous over us? So this is the point that James is making. <coughs> that he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell with us. And then lastly, so we have this realization of desire, but then lastly we have the antidote of desire. So let's just be honest, this is a hard text. But then he comes to verse 6. But he gives more grace. Aren't you glad that all those times when those passions are at war within you 
and you're wrestling because you have these desires over here. These desires you know aren't God glorifying and God honoring. And yet you give in to those desires and they win the war for that day. That that's not the last day. Why? Because he gives more grace. But hear me, you may have come in here today and you've heard the first five verses of this and you're just going, Pastor, I feel beat up. Hear me, he gives more grace. That no matter the stage you find yourself in life, no matter how many times you have lost the battle to those desires that you know you shouldn't touch, there's more grace. No matter what happened last week, there's more grace. No matter what happened years ago, there's more grace. No matter if you think you have reached the limit of God's grace, there's more grace. And he gives this scripture. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He's quoting, I believe it's Proverbs <coughs> 3. He gives grace, he opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now just think about that for just a moment. Because what does the proud heart say? The proud heart says, I don't really need grace. I'm able to do this on my own. But what does the humble heart say? God, I need you. God, I have made a mess of things. I need you. I love the definition that Clint gave last week for meekness. I told him I was proud of him. He dug into classical Greek, which is even older than Koine Greek, which was impressive. But that's the essence of humility. It's going, God, I need you. So what's the antidote to desire? It's that grace. How do I deal with those passions that are at war within me? Is it my ability to white knuckle and grip those passions into submission? No. It's my ability to humbly come before God and say, God, I need more grace. God, I need you. Because these desires are at war within me. You. That's the antidote. 
Because going back to those conflicts that arise because of desire, what if that was my heart's posture? When those conflicts that arise in marriage, what if it was, God, I need you. God, I need grace to deal with my spouse. God, I need grace to deal with my children. God, I need you. Instead of going, God, I've got it figured out how to deal with my spouse. God, I've got it figured out how to deal with my children. God, I need you. When we go to the job site, instead of going, God, I've got it figured out how to deal with so-and-so. God, I've got it figured out. I can handle it. God, I need you. What about in the life of a church? God, we've got it figured out. God, we're going to get our preferences in order. We're going to get our power in order. <coughs> what if as a corporate body, it was humbly going, God, we need grace. God, we need you. So this leads us to our central idea. <coughs> Disordered desire can lead us astray, but God's grace reminds us of our actual needs. Disordered desire can lead us astray. That I've got these desires, and when they're disordered and left unchecked, they will lead us astray. They're going to lead me off to where I don't want to go. But God's grace reminds us of our actual needs. That my disordered desire says, this is a need that I need to do, I need to have. But when I think about God's grace, that unmerited benefit, that unmerited favor that he has extended to me, not because I deserved it, not because I earned it, but simply because of, out of his good pleasure, all of a sudden I realize I don't need that. I may desire that in my flesh and in myself, but I don't need that. I need him. Whatever the desire is, he's the one who can actually satisfy it. He's the one who can actually meet it. I need him. So as we close today, I just want to invite you to come find that grace. You may have limped in here this morning going, I'm just weary of the battle. 
Pastor, you don't understand this week. I, those, those passions were at war, and I fell to those passions. Come find grace. But he gives more grace. Come find that grace. Today may be the day, as Taylor mentioned, that it may be the first time that you come and experience that grace. Come talk to me. Come talk to Clint. Come talk to Taylor. We'd love to talk to you about that. Or maybe you just need to spend some time in prayer this morning. Laying yourself at the feet of Jesus going, I need that grace. Come find it today. Because here's what I can guarantee you. If you'll come, you'll find it. Because that's what James says. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. God, thank you for your grace. That it's in your grace we find all that we need. So God, speak to us now. Draw hearts to you. And we'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. I invite you to stand as we respond. If you need somebody to pray with, I'll be standing over here. Pastor Clint will be standing over there.
quick announcements. Um, this coming Friday, um, Backpacks for Hope, is, of course you've, you've heard about before, it's a homeless ministry backpack giveaway um, with a meal provided as well as clothing distribution at J. Lou's. Okay, I say that right? Awesome. Um, and so that's this coming Friday at five o'clock. And so if you can see Kirk, um, or sunny, and so I uh, encourage you to come be a part of that Friday night at 5 o'clock um, in that homeless ministry. And then as well, immediately following worship today, um, our students will be taking a mission trip next summer. And so if you are a parent of a student, um, just encourage you to come be a part of that. It's going to be in the choir room. It's going to be really brief. Um, and so just encourage you, just basic information, where we're going, what we're doing, all of that fun stuff. And so brief meeting in the choir room um, immediately following worship today. All right. This coming Wednesday, I mentioned at the beginning, um, we have three classes that are starting. And so I'm going to ask Whitney and Emily and Mike to kind of come right here. Um, I asked them just to kind of share a little bit. And so for our midweek equipped classes, we've got a few different things. Um, so Mike's class will be a co-ed class. So um, guys and ladies. <coughs> And then Emily's going to be starting, a, a, it's called Just Moved, and so she's going to share a little bit more about that. Um, but I just asked them just to kind of give a quick, quick, Mark, quick. Uh, blurb about kind of what we're doing and what their class in particular is going to be about. So, All right. I don't need that. Here, I'll let her. <laughs> the Psalms. If I had two books, if I could only have two books in my life to go somewhere with, one would, of course, be the Bible. And the other would be a hymn book. <laughs> because the hymn book is our psalms, songs that, we, that have been written with just wonderful messages and, and things for our life in there. That's, that's the book of psalms. That's the book of psalms. So what we're going to talk about is not so much a verse-by-verse -verse understanding of the psalms, but what are they? When were they written? What circumstances were they written in? Very similar to our hymns. What, what's, the, what's the story behind that? Who wrote it? What was going on? They're, they're fairly easy to understand if you know that. So that's what we're going to, we're going to look at it from that standpoint. What, what's happening? How does this apply to me? Uh, and it's, it's going to be an interesting thing. I, I've, I have 
been enlightened just by studying and preparing for it. So I'll be there at 6.30 in the choir room. Hope to see you there Wednesday nights. Um, I will be teaching. It's a book called Call My Anxious Heart. And so it's a lot of diving into Philippians 4, talking about um, anxiety and contentment. So it's very applicable to this day and time in a world that is seeking contentment in so many things. So it's diving into what contentment looks like in Christ um, and calming those anxieties um, that are caused through that. So we'll be Wednesday, same time in downstairs. Okay. Well, and I'm really excited to be um, doing what's called Just Moved Gainesville. This is actually an international ministry that a lot of people don't know about, and we don't have one in Gainesville. So this is for women who have just moved um, in the last year or so. I mean, we welcome anyone and everyone. But if you've ever moved, you know it can be a lonely, challenging, difficult time. And so we, I just hope that you will share it. I've tried to post it several places, but if you will share it with women in the community, we have so many people moving here. And this is just a great opportunity for women to come together on Wednesday night and support each other and talk to each other. And we'll be doing a devotional book um, called Unpacking the Boxes, after the boxes are unpacked. Um, but it's just a really, it's a really neat um, opportunity to support our women in the area. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but um, the other benefit to this is so many times um, the meetings are held in the morning and we're going to hold it on Wednesday night so that the mamas have childcare, the mamas that have to work, who often feel isolated because they go to work and come home, have an opportunity to come and have some fellowship. Um, we have childcare to support the kids. And of course, we're encouraging them to come eat as well. So I'm excited. Awesome. Thank y'all. Um, and so that's all that's kicking off this Wednesday night. And so dinner at 530, children and youth 615, and then these adult studies um, will be starting at 630 this Wednesday night. So I encourage you to come be a part of that, find a place to plug in and find community. And right before we dismiss, I'm going to ask um, Britton and Maddie to come up here with Taylor and Heather. Um, as, as, you're, as you're leaving today, just come by, let them know how excited you are. Um, that must have been a long sermon because y'all's hair is dry now. That's impressive. And then as well, some other exciting news. I'm going to ask the majors to come up here. Um, th this is Hunter. And so this week, Hunter was saved. Monday night, he made a profession of faith. And so... And so we're so excited for Hunter and his family. And so we're going to ask them to stand up here as well. Um, and just kind of as, as you're leaving, come let them know how excited you are um, for them and, and everything that God is doing. And so we're excited about what God is doing in the life of Airline Baptist Church. And uh, let's keep seeking after him. Mike, will you close us in prayer? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for what you've done here today. Lord, thank you for salvation. Thank you for this one, God, who's come to know you as his personal Lord and Savior for the rest of his life. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for these two, <clears throat> my grandkids, Lord, who have come, began their walk with you in obedience, following you in baptism. God, just be with them. Help them to grow in every aspect of their life. God, leaning on you, trusting in you. As the preacher was saying, Lord, in every situation, just say, God, I need you. Guide them, Father. Thank you for all the things coming up this week. God, looking forward to a great time uh, next Friday night as we're able to minister to some folks in our community who 
who need, need a little bit of help. Looking forward to next Sunday night, God, as we come together for our fall festival and just love on some people, welcome some people, and, and, and have fellowship with them. So, God, just thank you for everything that's going on. God, thank you for just allowing us to be here today and worship you and honor you. God, remember those who can't be here today, Father, who are sick. We have some still recovering from surgery, some who have been in just had some things going on in their life, God. So I just pray that you'd, you'd bless them and be with them. Give them strength and courage. Lead us this week, God, to be pleasing to you in all that we say and do. God, we need you in everything that we do. We love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.